perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. Do not miss a moment of this episode and make sure to share it with everyone you know because a pandemic is spreading throughout the land and it is leaving a wake of devastation and destruction behind it. Folks, we must come together. We must be vigilant. We must be bold and brave and we must fight to overcome this horrible, heinous monster. No, I'm not speaking of COVID-19. Rather, I'm speaking of the pandemic known as toxic positivity within government. Whether we're speaking of the local governments, the state governments, or our federal government, toxic positivity is destroying what we know as the government that the United States of America was built upon. And this horrible situation will take that away if we don't come together as citizens and i mean do it quick i am noticing this in every community i have seen everywhere i'm hearing from folks it doesn't matter if they're in indianapolis if they're in muncie if they're in newcastle winchester anderson fort wayne if they're in new york new york washington dc houston texas or los angeles california Toxic positivity is leaving a wake of destruction, and we, as citizens of the United States of America, of the individual states which we live, and of our own communities, must come together to defeat toxic positivity within our government. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 132nd episode of the podcast, Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. I do have to give a quick tip of the hat to the co-writer of this episode. Thank you for all that you do. If there's ever been a show that you've needed to share with literally everyone that you know, this is it. Please remind folks we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites by searching the full name Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, or you can go to Google and enter in Bilbrey Podcast. That is B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey 318. All right, who's ever heard the phrases, don't be so negative, it could be worse, failure is not an option, Quit looking at the negative side of things. Have you ever heard anyone say phrases like that? They sound decent in and of themselves. They sound like somebody's trying to really be positive. The problem with that type of thinking is this isn't fantasy land. It's the real world, ladies and gentlemen. Things happen 
life is not all flowers and sausages, all right? Stuff happens, and we need to be able to review what goes on. We need to be able to look at the good and the bad. We need to be able to examine situations, and if something has a positive result, it's good. We need to be able to look at what we did. We need to be able to recreate that, and we need to be able to expound on that great outcome. Likewise, if something goes wrong, if there's a negative outcome, we need to be able to examine what happened, where we went wrong. We need to learn how we can make a detour and go another way. It's kind of like focusing on the positives, but also learning from the negatives. And in toxic positivity, there is no such thing as learning from the negatives. We just don't want to discuss the negatives. And what happens when you have people who do that, you repress the negative and it will eventually come out. And it will come out in a very, very bad way. There's an article on the website medium.com titled, Toxic Positivity Won't Make You a Better Leader. And it reads as follows. For most of us, putting a positive spin on things has become the norm at work, especially if you're a manager or leader. In ordinary times, being the team cheerleader is an unspoken requirement of the job. Leaders are expected to be upbeat, to help their teams find opportunities even during tough times, and to remind people that even against setbacks, they've got this and they will crush it. In American culture, at least, this turn lemons into lemonade mentality is in many leaders' DNA. And while that sounds fantastic, the problem essentially is you're invalidating negative feelings and negative experiences. And again, while that sounds wonderful, what you're doing is changing the way that opportunities are looked at, you're changing the way that people understand what's happening, and you're limiting the discussion. You're, you're simply taking out any type of discussion that could be seen as not positive. And while that might work in some businesses, I would argue it's not good. It definitely has no place in government. And when we're starting to see that across the board in all forms of government, I have to say this is like a pandemic that's catching on and spreading. And it's, it's something that's really bad for those of us who want better government and want that better government through our citizen involvement, because what this toxic positivity is doing is it's creating a gap between those that practice the toxic positivity and those of us in the real world who expect communication, who expect transparency, and who expect accountability. And now the problem really isn't the elected officials who buy into this, because if you have somebody acting goofy and on a toxic positivity kick and they're the only one, well, you can beat them down with reality and you can overcome that. But when they are spreading this crap and other elected officials are buying into it, and now you have members of the community who are buying into it, it makes civil discourse hard, which is sad because that is such a key component of what America was founded upon, that you, as the citizen, have a right 
to redress your government, that you can express your thoughts, your concerns. You can issue praise, or you can tell them that you simply do not like what they're doing. You can vote them out of office, but before you have the chance to vote them out of office, you should be allowed to express your concerns, your disappointment to these folks. And we're all adults here. I don't understand anybody who looks at the world and sees, you know, puppy dogs and fairy tales everywhere. The world is full of disappointment and negativity. And yes, we should strive to be the very best that we can be. And we should strive to be positive. But if we can't learn from mistakes, then we are doomed to continue making those mistakes time and time again. And I really feel like the problem begins with the elected official in various different communities who refuses to hold themselves as individuals accountable. Used to, we had the public official who would say, the buck stops here. They understood no matter what happened, that they were the the ass on the line, that they were the elected official, they were the representative of the people, that they had a job to do, and if there were things that happened that were good, it was because of the work that they did. And if there were things that happened that were bad, well, they understood that they were going to take the blame. They understood that if they made a mistake, that they would take accountability for it and they would be respected for that action. Now we have elected officials who like to make excuses. They don't say the buck stops here. I'm the person whose ass is in the hot seat. They say, well, I'm new. I didn't know I was doing my best. There were time constraints. They make all of these excuses because they figure that if someone makes a mistake, they're going to be unelected or they're going to have people gripe at them. They don't realize that we understand people are human and we like honesty. We need honesty. We are so beaten down by the elected official that lies to us time and time and time again. If they're too ignorant to grasp the basics, if you have someone in a council seat who doesn't understand that they represent the will of the people, then they probably shouldn't be there, okay? That's not someone being political or not political or having a long life in public service. That's just common sense, all right? If you're on a council or if you're part of a commissioner's board, and you feel as though you can meet secretly and conduct business that your public does not know. Everybody everywhere in all 50 states is aware that there are open door laws. Everybody is aware of sunshine laws. It's called different things in different states, but folks are aware of this. And if you run and you're a commissioner or you're a council member and you have meetings, monthly meetings, meetings every two weeks. Some some communities have a meeting every week, and you understand that that is for the public's benefit, but yet you still will have meetings outside of that, and you'll conduct business outside of that, and you will take away the public's 
looking glass at what's going on in the government, then you're probably too ignorant to hold that position. However, I understand a mistake can happen. People are people after all. But when it is called out to your attention, if you are unable to be held accountable, then you are not someone who should be in the seat that you're sitting in. Period. Point blank. End of story. We also see these same people who are so concerned with patting themselves on the back and giving themselves attaboys for doing the bare minimum of their job. I feel like gone are the days where elected officials set lofty goals. Their idea of doing the people's work is simply showing up. Well, I made it here. I got here on time. I want to be gone in an hour. I don't need to sit here and listen to what the people say. I'm not going to allow the citizens to speak during this meeting on the record because I don't want to hear anything bad. So they show up. They do just the bare minimum. They say, well, we did what the law allows, and we did just good enough, and that's what you should be happy with. But let's be honest. We're not happy with it, and just good enough doesn't cut it. All right, so you have the elected official who refuses to take responsibility for mistakes. What about their other elected officials? Surely they will call them out. I understand that people might have a hard time pointing out when they make a mistake, but people love pointing out when others make mistakes, right? That's the other side of this coin. Not only will they not hold themselves accountable, but they refuse to hold each other accountable. What really, really gets me fired up is when you have members of the same party in a majority in a city, a town, or a county. And so, therefore, you have a lot of ass-kissing going on, and nobody will point out any flaws of anyone in their same party. Of course, Republicans will point fingers at Democrats, and Democrats will point fingers at Republicans. But what happens when you live in a county where everybody in county government is a Republican, or everybody in city government is a Democrat. When you get into a situation like that, first of all, it's not good. First of all, that's not a good situation to be in. I understand the county can be mostly Republican, or the county can be mostly Democrat, but then you fall into that trap of voting straight ticket, and there's no challenge of ideas, there's no checks and balances, and one party runs amok feeling superior, and you get into messes exactly like what I'm talking about. When you have 12 elected officials in your community that run government, and 10 or 11 of them are Republicans, or 10 or 11 or all of them are Democrats, what happens when one of the Democrats or one of the Republicans does something that's not right, that's out of line. They won't hold themselves accountable, and nobody from within their party will hold them accountable because they don't want to fall out of favor with their party. They don't care what the citizen thinks. They don't care what the voter thinks. They don't care what you or I have to say. The only thing that matters is staying in the good graces of the political party, the party chairman, and the hangers-on or the sycophants who like to donate and give support during re-election or elections 
That way, when that time comes, they can get those campaign donations, they can get the support, and they can get the votes so that they are reelected or elected to a new position so that they remain in power. That is why they will not hold themselves accountable, and they sure as hell won't point out somebody else from their party. They don't have a problem pointing across the aisle, but they sure as hell won't point out somebody from their own party, even though that's what's right. Because, folks, in the real world, when somebody makes a mistake, that's what we should do is say, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. Let's examine this and see what we can do to correct this behavior. That's what you teach children, so why doesn't that work for elected officials? I will never understand why these people don't realize that responsibility and taking responsibility for their actions would garner them so much more love and admiration and support, and they could, they could run for indefinite amount of offices because they would win. That would set the people on fire. We would be madly in love with an elected official who would stand up and mean what they say and say what they mean, but we don't see that. So when we have elected officials that will not hold themselves personally responsible for any wrongdoings or bad actions, and they sure as hell won't hold each other accountable for any wrongdoings or bad actions, well then, my friends, that responsibility falls on us in the public. When your elected officials will not hold themselves personally responsible for their mistakes, their bad actions, or their wrongdoings, and when they will not hold each other responsible for their bad actions, their mistakes, or their wrongdoings, then the public must be there to hold them accountable. And be there we must. It is something that we don't have a choice in. We have to do that or they will run amok. The problem is, my friends, they have a system put in place which widens the gap between them and their actions and us and accountability. They have a system in place so that if they do something that we don't necessarily like or if they do something that is questionable or that is just flat out wrong and we dare to question them, we look like the bad guys. We look negative. They look positive. We look like we're meddling and we're wrong and how dare we question these wonderful, great, and decent leaders. We are just the simple peons. We should go home. We should quit meddling. How dare you or how dare I ever think that we should be able to question someone as decent as our wonderful, decent, amazing, virtuous leader. See, they have this system in place, toxic positivity, that allows their sycophants and others to start to believe that these officials are good people. And there is some kind of correlation in this sick uh, system that allows people to correlate being a good and decent person to being a good leader. And there is absolutely no correlation there. I know that's tough to hear, and I understand. Look, we want our leaders to be good people. I absolutely agree. Donald Trump is an asshole. 
I understand that. I'm not confused about that. I understand that he doesn't act like normal people act. Okay? I get that. But I also understand that we have had some fantastically wonderful people in leadership positions who have absolutely been piss poor leaders. You can be a horrible person and be a good leader. You can be a wonderful person and be a bad leader. You can also fall somewhere in the middle. But when these elected officials and their friends, their family, their supporters are able to cast dispersions on you or I for standing up and trying to hold some official accountable for some action that they have committed, well, then they are able to widen that gap They are able to make us look like the bad guy, and they are able to continue to cast this fairy tale story that the official is such a wonderful person, and therefore they must also be an amazing and wonderful leader. And that is what we must be able to overcome. We must be able to beat that back and say, no, this is incorrect. All right, friends, we need to take a real quick break, but when we come back, we will continue talking about toxic positivity, and moreover, we will talk about ways to break through that, and we will talk about the importance of doing so. You're listening to the 132nd episode of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilberry. We'll be right back. Perception. Perception Perception is... Reality. Reality. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLS Consumer Access.org number 3030. Perception is reality. Some talk shows think all their opinions are right. This one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilberry is a no-nonsense political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen, holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens about the importance of participating in their local government. Welcome your host, Christopher H. Bilberry. So all of our leaders are saints. Who knew? They tithe every Sunday. They tell everyone in the community happy birthday on Facebook. They smile when you see them at City Hall. They know most of your names. You know, we don't know what's going on with economic development. We don't really know what they're doing with various department heads. We're not really sure if streets are getting paved. We don't really know where we are on the budget. We don't know if they give a damn about veterans and other folks in our communities. But they look nice. And they seem like they're swell individuals with beautiful wives and wonderful husbands and wonderful boys and girls. They are just so wholesome and so wonderful and so above reproach. But wait. 
Here comes nasty old Christopher Bilbury to ask a question about the budget, to ask a question about public documents, to try to hold somebody accountable for having a meeting outside the public presence. Damn him. Why does he have to be so negative? I'm telling you, folks, that's what you're going to face when you start speaking out. You have to have seen it if you've paid any attention to anything that I've done over the last two or three years. You know that I've gotten this time and time again, and you're going to have to have thick skin. Number one, because it doesn't matter. Look, I don't care how many times someone tells me that Dan Ridenour is a great guy and I shouldn't be asking him questions. This is simply how I respond. That's great. I think he's a fantastic man, whether I believe it or not. If someone says, well, what do you think about this person or that person? I say, yeah, they're all great because I just simply do not care about them personally. All that matters to me is how they govern. And if somebody is a Republican or somebody is a Democrat or somebody is a Libertarian or Green Party or whatever other third party you could dream up, I simply certainly don't care about how that person's behavior is when they're in church. I don't care what it's like when they're at home with their husbands or wives or children or parents or friends or co-workers. I don't care about any of that. I literally only care about what happens when they are on the clock working as the elected official. If it's a full-time gig where they are the mayor, then that's what I care about. If it's a part-time, full-time gig like the council, well, that's all that I care about. I don't care about what their personal decisions are. I only care about what their public persona is I only care about what decisions they make as the elected official who is in office making decisions for every one of us and getting paid taxpayer dollars. It should be really easy. So to me, when folks start this toxic positivity crap, I cut straight through it. The problem is not everybody can do that. And the biggest issue I have when I first go into a community, when someone asks me for help, when there's first an issue, specifically when I'm going someplace that I've never been before, the first thing I do is tell the folks, look, it's going to be an uphill battle. You're going to get knocked in the teeth. You're going to get punched in the gut. You are going to go backwards more than you go forwards. And I know it sucks, but it's also the most exhilarating thing in the world, and this is fun, and, and more importantly, it's important. More than being fun, it's something that we must do if we want to make things better. This is what being an American citizen is about. Standing up and voicing your opinion to your elected officials, getting educated, getting informed, getting active, and making a difference. This is what it's all about. So when somebody comes to you and tells you what a bad person you are because you're asking this wonderfully good, wholesome leader who's a wonderful person a question, you have to be able to... Put on your thinking cap and realize this is toxic positivity. Folks, looking at negative factors is not bad. 
It's not bad. Imagine for a second with me, if you will, that you're back as a child and you're picking up an instrument to learn or you're starting to play football or baseball for the first time or you're starting in dance class. Whatever it was that you did as a child, imagine doing it for the first time. Imagine riding a bike. That's something that we almost all have done. The first time that you got on that bike to ride without training wheels, you fell over. Simply put, that's what happened. Nobody just starts off riding a bicycle. So you have to quickly evaluate what you did right, and more importantly in this situation, what you did wrong. Do you know when a football team wins a football game, they go off and celebrate? And they then get back to practice soon thereafter. When a football team loses a game, they immediately start practicing. And by practicing, the first thing they do is start watching film. They start looking at the game they lost. They're looking at what the other team did right. And they are looking at what they did wrong. They are looking and learning Part of developing as a person in whatever skill you are seeking to develop in is building upon your good actions. When you do something right, you want to build upon it. And when you do something wrong, when you do something negative, you want to look at it, examine it, find out why you made this bad mistake, this bad wrongdoing or this issue, and you want to try to figure out ways to be better next time. You know, people all the time ask me why I'm so negative, why everything I say concerning politicians is negative. And I say, because nothing really happy, wonderful, and positive is going on at the moment. When something happy and positive and wonderful is going on, I will praise these people. You'll hear it. I've done it here on this very podcast. And then we move forward. You don't spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks praising for the same thing. They should be doing good. That's their job. The reason you hear so much negative from me about various leaders all over the world is that when they do something wrong, we should look at that we should examine it, and we should figure out how to better do it next time. The problem is when these elected officials refuse to look at that negative action, it is something that we must repeat because if we don't, they're just going to continue doing that negative action. Look it. It's a lot like when I was very young. When I was seven or eight, nine years old, I started doing two very different actions about the same time. Number one, I started taking Japanese-style Taekwondo at the Muncie Pal Club from Mr. Ron White, a badass martial artist in his own right, a wonderful sensei, somebody that I count as a dear, dear friend. He has a martial arts studio still on South Madison in Muncie, really gives back to the community, in, and is absolutely a fantastic 
gentlemen. I love Mr. White. If you are in the market for some self-discipline for martial arts, if you, your child, your grandchild is in the market, you need to look up Mr. White's Bushido, Taekwondo, Karate Do. It's amazing. They do a fantastic job, and, and they really are giving back to the community. But I digress. Getting back on point, when I started taking martial arts, I can remember wanting to do the kicks. God, I couldn't wait to get in there to do the kicks. And it's amazing because Taekwondo is 70% kicks and 30% punches. And I was like, man, this is going to be amazing. And I remember they said, all right, son, step up here and do this side kick. And I just tripped all over myself. And I was so mad and so disappointed. And they showed me the right way to practice it. And I went home and I was doing it exactly like they showed me. The only difference is I wasn't doing it exactly like they showed me. I had a couple steps in the procedure wrong and I practiced it and I practiced it and I practiced it wrong. Well, when I went back in the next week, I was so excited to show them what I had practiced because I was proficient at it. And I stepped up to do the kick, and they say, no, wrong. That's wrong. And they showed me where I was wrong. Well, when they showed me that time where I was wrong, I realized what I had been doing. Although when I started to do it the way they showed me that day, I had a hard time doing it because I had practiced it wrong so long that it was like a little bit of muscle memory. And I had to untrain myself from the wrong way so that I could relearn it the right way. And that's what I'm talking about here, folks. Along with martial arts, about that same time, I developed my, my love for musical instruments. I've always loved music from the very beginning of my life. And about seven, eight, nine years old, I, I developed an interest in playing the drums. And before we got a drum set, my father got me a snare drum, told me if I wanted to get a drum set, I needed to learn how to play on the snare drum and do the basic rudiments and, and learn what I was doing with that. And so I wanted to practice and I wanted to do a simple drum roll, you know, right, left, right, left, right, left, real fast. You know how that goes? Or there's something called a paradiddle, which is right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. Well, after you do that so long, you learn there's a double paradiddle. Right, left, right, left, right, right. Left, right, left, right, left, left. You know, when you hit it on the snare drum, it sounds like paradiddle, para, paradiddle, okay? So in practicing this, if I was going right, left, right, left, right, left. That's not a paradiddle. And if I practice that and I go back to my drum instructor and say, hey, look, I can do a paradiddle and I do a simple right, left roll instead, I've practiced it the wrong way. Same thing as being a police officer. When you're training with your firearm, if you train wrong, when you're under pressure, you're going to do it wrong. So in all of these scenarios I've given you, it's important to look at what you do right and to expound upon those right actions. But 
almost as important as it is to do that, it's every bit as important to look at your mistakes that you're making early on, and you're supposed to examine those mistakes and realize what you've done, where you went wrong, and you're supposed to go around that and fix this and do better. Why is that seen as a positive, but yet calling out the mistakes that an elected official will make is seen as wrong? Look, not everybody played drums or an instrument. Not everybody was in martial arts. But nearly every one of us learned how to ride a bicycle. And when you first got on your bicycle to ride without training wheels, you were not a master. You had to practice it. It took a lot of work, you, your parents, and a lot of anxiety from them, and a lot of fear maybe from your part, maybe some skinned knees, and practice. When you were doing good, you wanted to continue expounding on that and doing better. If a mistake was made, you needed to quickly correct that, and you didn't want to keep making that same mistake. So why is it in government we are okay with the officials making the same mistake time and time again, and when finally someone stands up to say something, everybody wants to knock that person down? Why does that happen? Let's look at an example from a county just south of Delaware. It's Henry County. There have been some officials that I have been dealing with over the last, say, six months, and it has been absolutely an uphill battle. It's a small community. It's a tight-knit community. They have their sycophants, and I'm seen as an outsider. I heard word just a couple months ago that commissioners there were taking actions that were not on agendas, that were not in meetings, and to me, that is absolutely a public access issue. It can be an open-door violation, and I wanted to bring it to their attention. So I call this commissioner up, Edward Tarantino, and we have an hour-long phone conversation where he gives me every excuse in the phone book. And I tell him, none of these excuses matter. Here's what you need to do. If you think this is because you're new to the office, even though you've held the office for two years, I think that's asinine. But if you think that's it, then you need to look up these resources. And I gave him the public access counselor's phone number. I gave him the public access handbook. I gave him the correct information to get in touch with state officials who can help give instruction to county and city and town level officials if they need help. I gave him a lot of different contact information so that he could better himself if this was a situation of of some ignorance. And I figured that would take care of the problem. And then just a month, a month and a half later, I hear that he and one of the other commissioners, that means a quorum, because there's only three commissioners in the state of Indiana, 
per county. So when you have two commissioners, that is a quorum. So if they get together and they meet and they discuss something, it has to be public. They can't do it at a backyard barbecue. They can't do it at Walmart. They can't do it over the phone. And God forbid, if for some unknown reason they're around each other, for whatever reason that shouldn't be happening, if they discuss something and then act on it, it is a real problem. And of course, that's exactly what happened. So when I called that to his attention again, he starts making up other excuses. And that's the problem. That's the problem that we run into. However, he told me repeatedly in and among his excuses that he's doing what he thinks is good, that he's been told by his friends and supporters and family that he has a mandate because he and a bunch of his friends have been elected to office and they have to keep their promise and they are doing the good work that other like-minded folks want. And I said, look, buddy, I don't care what your friends think is good. You have to go by the law. And if you're doing something wrong and you're telling me that you're not doing it on purpose, then it must be some form of willful ignorance. And that does happen from time to time. So now we must examine that and we must do better. However, there's another elected official down there that doesn't want to hear any of that doesn't want to talk about what's wrong with other elected officials, doesn't want to hear it from the community. She wants to talk about grace and forgiveness, and all of that stuff's wonderful when you're in church. And all of that stuff is wonderful when you're talking about your family members or maybe a private business. But when you're talking about government, talking about forgiving mistakes and not discussing them and not holding anybody accountable is the way that we set ourselves up for officials doing whatever the hell they want whenever the hell they want to do it and they just simply will not be held accountable and that is what we have to overcome folks this is growing like a cancer it is taking over in all of these small communities all over East Central Indiana. We are seeing the gap widening between officials and the public. We can't talk about what our concern is any longer because they just don't want to hear it. We can't point out a mistake. We can't point out an error. We can't tell them, hey, your instincts are really bad here. When you start to make a decision as an elected official, you might really want to take counsel with somebody. You might want to look at what you're going to do and think about the other alternatives first. But that's all seen as negative. And the problem with this is the community starts picking up on that and people start buying into the fact that 
myself or, or others like me are simply stirring the pot or trying to be negative, and that's not true. Listen, I just want the elected officials to do what it is that they are supposed to do, which is follow the law and conduct their business. Don't go outside of the law. Don't do what you think is best. If you truly don't know, then ask, get help. There is no shame in that. Where the shame lies is in committing an act that is wrong, that is bad, that is negative, whether it be on purpose or not. And having the the chance to do it right or learn from your mistake and simply not doing it just because we don't want to talk about something that might be a little uncomfortable. And I'm telling you, folks, we, the public, those of you that are active and involved and engaged, we can't let them push us in that direction. We must hold our own because when there are elected officials who will not hold themselves accountable and will not hold each other accountable, we have to do it. You have to develop a thick skin. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to know the rules. You have to know the ordinances. You have to know the laws. You have to know what each of these elected officials can do within their capacity and what they can't do. And then when you see something wrong, you have to say something about it. It's tough. It's really hard. It's nerve-wracking. That's why we must come together as a team. We must be willing to help each other out. We must be willing to stand together because they will, they'll stand together to fight off accountability. They will stand together to attempt to stop us so that they can remain in power doing whatever the hell it is that they want. So we need to come together. We need to understand that yes, we need to be positive and we should look at the bright side of things and we should look at the positive side of things, but there is no harm in discussing negative actions and learning from negative actions. That's all a part of life. In this episode, I have shown you what toxic positivity is. I've explained how the elected officials and their supporters their loved ones, their parties, all use it against us. And it really does, it really does get old quick when we hear how bad we are and how great they are. It makes what we have to do tough. In the next episode, episode 133, we will take a look at what we can do to break through this toxic positivity, we will look at how we can develop mechanisms to fight back against this so that the officials who are currently in place 
will have to hear us and will have to do better or go home. That's always something that they can do. And we will learn how we can come together to fight off toxic positivity so that we can better our government through our citizen involvement. This is something that is very important. And if we don't quickly learn how to overcome this, we will be overtaken by this and there will be no other option than to fold to the toxic positivity. But I am not there and we will not let this win out. We can overcome this, but it takes each and every one of us to be involved and to be a part of this thing. I need you. You need me, and we need each other. We need to lean on each other as a community, as a system of folks who can stand up against the madness and express our wishes, our desires, and our concerns as citizens trying to better government through citizen involvement. Folks, you're listening to episode 132 of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury. We'll be right back after this quick break. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. That's going to do it for this 132nd episode of Perception is Reality. I'm calling Toxic Positivity. Be sure to tune in to episode 133 when we talk about how to overcome this horrible system that elected officials have put in place to remain in power doing whatever the hell it is that they want. Remember, folks, to share the show with everyone you know. Of course, we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. And remember, until next time, get educated, get active, get involved. Stay safe and God bless. Bye. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765 546 9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.